Duke Energy offers these tips for understanding your bill. Check the number of days in your billing cycle. Most bills are for 30 days, but there are times when the billing cycle is shorter or longer. If there are more days in the bill, it could be higher. Look at average kilowatt hour uses per day. At first glance, your bill may look higher, but if your average use is similar to the same time last year or in a month with similar extreme temperatures, it's a normal bill. Residential customer service specialists are available Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. by calling 1-800-521-2232. Energy presents Connecting Counties with your host Gus Piercy. A look at the economical, social, and educational decisions being made in Hendricks and surrounding counties and how they affect one another. And now your host, Gus Piercy. Thanks for joining us. Today we're going to talk about the history of the Hendricks County Flyer. The Hendricks County Flyer paper, newspaper, was around for 54 years and was recently uh, shut down and uh, kind of a state of uh, journalism in general, but uh, particularly for Hendricks County, this is a loss to the community. So my guests today, we're going to talk about the history. My guests today are uh, Tim Evans from uh, Indie Star and uh, uh, a writer with Indie Star, and you were with the flyer from I believe '94 to '97. I think it's more like '92. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I'm old. <laughs> and then the other one is Lynn Hopper, and uh, Lynn Hopper was with the paper from what were years were you with the flyer? Seventy-one, I think. Yeah. Yeah, seventy-one to ninety-one. So it must have been ninety-one when okay. you came. Yeah, because uh, right, because Jack McCarthy purchased the paper in nineteen ninety. Yeah. From the holes next. Right. So um, let's talk a little bit about the Hendricks County Flyer. Um, we have some numbers here, and at its peak. It was a uh, routinely a fifty to sixty, a fifty-six to sixty-four page broadsheet newspaper, delivered to thirty thousand plus households on a weekly basis. Through, um, we'll talk about the history of that, but primarily by paper boys, you know, paper carriers. Um, Let's see. It says the CAC audited circulation. CAC is the, um, uh, they're an independent third-party group that audits circulation of newspapers at that time. They, they probably are closed too. But the circulation of over uh, 90% and an audited readership of close to 90%. Now we're talking the years when it was probably in its prime, which was probably um, 75 to 95, 99. It was, we were still doing a lot of pages when I was left in 97. We were doing 60, 80 pages a week a lot of times. And I think maybe your earlier number might be a little early. Yeah. 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 You think maybe 80 or something? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So, um, it is a, It was a countywide newspaper. So, Lynn, tell us uh, the origins of the Hendricks County Flyer. 
Tom and Judy Holschnick started it as a shopper. It was a shopper at the beginning in their basement. <laughs> and uh, But then, of course, they began to expand. And when they, when they started to expand, they had gone in partnership with the men at the uh, Allen Rivers and Dick Knoll at Stark and Publishing Company to buy a copyographic, which was the big step up in cut-and-paste journalism as opposed to hot metal. And so they had hired a girl to set the type for the the paper. Mm-hmm. And he, I, I, we, we often joked about it that he hired me to give her a full day's work. <laughs> <laughs> well, now, so it did start as a shopper, which was what? the Probably grocery ads? Mostly. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and I, it, it was delivered by mail. At that time, yes, it was. For years, it was. Now, I'd always heard the story that he was looking for a cheaper mail rate because he was getting full price on sending ads and that they had to include a certain amount of news content? Yes, but that came a little later. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so you you had now. Let's talk a little bit about your uh, background. You you were working with the Star, yes, uh-huh. and that's where uh, Dick, your husband, worked. Yeah, right. um, just so everybody knows, I've known Lynn for years and years and years, and um, uh, so that you came to the Hendricks County Flyer was it was a full time job? No, oh, no, no, it's not. Uh, I, w- I was. It was very much a part-time job. I didn't even go into the office. I worked from home. My uh, daughter was going into first grade and I kind of needed to be home. But uh, I think one of our one of our big stories was the school desegregation story. And I think it was at that point that I started going into the office more. Huh? The uh, I don't know if you remember that, but Plainfield was part of seven counties, uh, seven school districts that were included in the desegregation lawsuit. Mm-hmm. And then they discovered that they had to drop Plainfield out. That was my big story. Because uh, you cannot desegregate something that has never been segregated. And because of the Quakers in Plainfield, their schools had never been segregated. The, they had African-American students already, all, didn't all they? All the time. In fact, the, the first graduating class at Plainfield High School of four, and one, <laughs> and one of them was a black man. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, they've got, uh, Plainfield's got a long history with the AME church. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, so it started out as a shopper. You brought on to bring more news content. Yes. What what was the picture of Hendricks County journalism kind of at that time? Oh, it was very small stories. I mean, there was nothing major going on. That was the biggie. Uh, we, we manufactured news, to tell you the truth. And uh, I kind of... I want to give a little bit of a shout out to uh, there were there were five papers in the county at the time uh, when I started, and um, we decided that uh, we the town the county needed a new jail. The sheriff was much in our corner on that one, but I had to get a lot of facts and figures from the courthouse, and I went in there frequently, and this lovely lady. Uh, helped me out just weekly, you know. She gave me all the facts and figures that I needed. 
and I did not learn until later that she was the wife of one of the other newspaper editors. Oh, and wow. She, and she never, never squealed on me. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, the five papers, I can name The Messenger, mm-hmm. uh, The Guide, mm-hmm. The Brownsburg Guide. Now, now you got me. The Republican. Oh, the Republican. And the Gazette. Oh, and the Gazette. The Gazette was a separate paper. The Gazette was the Democrat paper, and the Republican was the Republican. They were side by side, but they they shared uh, type. (laughs) And uh, of course, there was a law that you had to put legal notices in each paper. So they they did, but they swapped their type. (laughs) Yeah, neat. So, was the flyer printed on site? Not at first, but then Tom and the the um, Starkins uh, bought a press. So, for for several years, we were the only press in the in the county. And then, I think it was some uh, sometime later. I think it was after Jack McCarthy bought it, the paper that he decided it would be more uh, economical to have it printed elsewhere. Well, yeah, because you don't have to. Have pressmen, yeah, <laughs> uh, and and just so the Holzneck owned it up to 1990, uh-huh. and that's when Jack McCarthy purchased it, and he was the publisher for the next nine, ten years, and Tim was hired around 91, 92, uh, and you were hired as editor. Yes. Oh, yes. Lynn tried to dissuade me from taking the job. Uh, uh, oh, not that job. I wanted you very badly for that job. Right, but, but you also took me out. I think we went to lunch, and you uh, told me what I was getting into, and you, you didn't sugarcoat it. Uh, so I appreciated that. I, so I couldn't say I didn't know what I was getting into. One applicant for the job said he wanted to get out of the rat race. He wanted it easy. And I said, you are just getting into the rat race if you take this job. But it was never actually offered to him. And I, I came from, I'd been running two weekly papers in southern Indiana. And it was the same deal as the uh, Guide and Gazette. One of them was a Republican paper. One was a Democrat paper. It was me and another woman, and we were doing both papers. But uh, you know that was in the fat days right. of the class or the uh, government ads. So right. And so, um, so Jack's background, because we know the Holznick started as a shopper, and then they kind of helped turn it into a newspaper. Mm-hmm. Actually, we did. And. Um, was that much of a struggle, or oh, Tom had very strong newspaper ethics for somebody who never took journalism, and yes, we we worked pretty hard on that. And then you covered the whole county, mm-hmm. which we tried. <laughs> I tried, yeah. Um, and this was back when it was significantly more rural. Yes, absolutely. And I say rural, and I mean agriculture-based. Yes. So it, it may not have been as difficult as it is now because there's all this stuff going on. Right. It was harder to get a good lead story, I'll tell you. that. <laughs> Sometimes we were pretty weak in that area. And uh, I then we got uh, Steve Golden was the press secretary for the sheriff and he was really a go-getter and he he would bring in press releases did, did he, did he, was he mm-hmm. still there when you yeah. came and uh, 
One time he brought in a story, and I was desperate for a lead story, and he brought in a story about a grave robbing. Oh, wow. And unfortunately, I gave it more attention than it deserved, and it just set off a firestorm of people excusing uh, Plainfield of being Satan worshippers and the high school or huh. devil, you know, devil worshippers, and and then I think one of the uh, eventually one of the deputies retired from the sheriff's office so he could become a Satan worshiping uh, uh, huh not a, you know not a, himself a hunter you know yeah. to, to weed him out oh. I always felt so bad about that somebody from the uh, Wall Street Journal came down to interview me about that, and I tried my best to persuade him. It was a non-story, but, of course, that wasn't any fun, so he blew it up way out of proportion, which caused me to lose a lot of respect for the Wall Street Journal. Well, and that's continued, hasn't it? Yeah. Um, so it covered uh, Avon, Brownsburg, Danville, Plainfield. And all the small towns. North Salem. North Salem. That was way out there. Yes, but I love North Salem. It's a nice <laughs> it's a nice town. I wasn't saying anything negative, but just Pitts, Pitts, its location isn't and, very and Pittsburgh and uh mm-hmm. yeah. and uh yeah, Brownsburg and so um Lynn kinda left you on your own there at the end. I I, I got there in ninety six and right before you left I think. Mm-hmm. You helped me transition into writing. And um so I was doing ad layout uh for Tom, Tom Dillon, who was the uh, production manager and um so tell me about news from your perspective and how well, I think when we came in you you also had some correspondence, kind of traditional people who fed you from the the AMO and then the you know who who came over to have Sunday brunch or you know who the preacher was visiting those kind of things. If I may interrupt here, at some point, and I think it was in nineteen eighty five or so, we absorbed the Plainfield Messenger, and. Mm-hmm. And they they had that. We had never had that. So we were actually putting out two papers a week, and one of them was the Messenger, and that was the. And it was more Plainfield focused, and yeah. But a lot of those things repeated. Um, yeah. And we ran the Plainfield Messenger for two or three years, and Jack retired that when he started the Weekend Flyer. And um, during my time there, we we had the fly, Henry County Flyer, the Weekend Flyer, and then the West Side Flyer. And then for a while we were also doing a, like every other week, a real estate publication and a, then briefly a, an employment publication. So we were doing four or five publications a week and a lot of smoke and mirrors. You know, I think, <laughs> did, did you have, was, was um, Rob Dalton, was, was he, did you have any help in terms of full-time reporters? Yes, I did. I had several mm-hmm. that were. So I think we started, there were, there were maybe two in a, in a type Type of suite moved on from the copy graphic machine yeah. to uh, uh, very low tech, um, probably doing stuff in Word or Word Perfect, probably back then, and uh, cut and paste and talk about um, somebody who wanted to retire. It was probably the hardest I've ever worked in terms of, you know, we spent hours in layout and paste up of cutting stories that were printed out, you know, column wide and waxing them and trying to line them up on the on the dummy sheets and. 
but I loved it. <laughs> it was it was it was something to it. It was kind of like putting together a puzzle. When uh, Charlie and Annie were little, and I would go to work, they could, when they would see what I did, I could hardly convince them I was working. Because what was I doing? I was cutting and pasting all the things they loved to do. <laughs> yeah. Now it it came out on Monday most of the time. You were it, that was our production day. It came out on Tuesday. Oh, it came out on Tuesday and. Jack must have changed that because I worked a lot of Saturdays. Yeah, I think we came out on Monday. Uh, at some point, we started doing that because it was Monday, and then the weekend flyer hit on Wednesday. And that was because uh, grocery ads typically right. were big back then, and we had double trucks, double from, trucks, like oh, from yeah. from Jesse's, which no yeah. longer exists, and there was another one we did uh, an independent grocery. I can't remember who. Monty's. Monty, yeah, I think, and you know those were just. Oh, where was Jesse's? Jesse's was in um, Brownsburg here. Oh, at the okay. spot um, at the dead end of Hornaday. Okay. And it was on the left side, I think, where the pizza place yeah. was. Not, not the old marsh. Yeah. Not two old marshes back or something. Yeah. Um, uh, okay, and then Monty's was in Avon. Avon. Right yeah, on, that's right. Right Monty's on 36. And right. It, it's right where Spex is mm-hmm. now. Yes. If Spex is still there. Yeah, no, I think it's there. Yeah, um, yeah and that was a big deal because uh, I remember when I first started at the Flyer, we worked every Saturday, uh, at least Saturday morning until 1 or 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and we would shoot the negatives. And I remember... Um, so that was cut and paste, right? And then we'd shoot yeah. a negative, and that would be what we sent to. We had a carrier take that down to Terre Haute, I believe. Was that where it was? When I or when I started, they were printing in Bloomington, and Jack had some sort of arrangement partnership with somebody from yeah. from the Bloomington newspaper. So a lot of times we had couriers. A lot of times I would drive that down, or Tom Dillon would drive it down. Yeah, watch them, you know, come off the press, make sure it was looking good. And then yeah. later we switched. Um, I think after Tom came, we switched to Terre Haute. I don't know that we... Did you ever print at Greenfield? Did you ever print at Columbus? We printed at Columbus for a while. Maybe maybe when I first started, we were at Columbus. Yeah. Um, and I, I think at Greenfield was... I know that's one of the places that yeah. we printed. Yeah. And then Greenfield and Columbus were both home news newspapers at that time were, uh, and did a lot of job printing, so other publications were printing there. Yeah. And um, so, um, so I came to the Hendricks County Flyer in '96. So I, I remember the Saturday mornings taking the China marker and blacking out, uh, you know, on the spotty finished negatives. negatives. Yeah. yeah, when they would spotty get spotty, thing. so yeah. we wouldn't get ink in those oh, places. Yeah. Um, and we had the light table, and this was when we were in Plainfield. Mm-hmm. Is that is that where the Holes Next mm-hmm. brought it to? Yeah, which was right there on Center Street. Yes, and it was um, it was right next door to the Starkins. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was yeah. it an old post office building or no? It was next door. Next door to the old yeah. post office. Yeah. It was the post office Starkins, and then mm-hmm. and then Holes Next had an office at the the yeah. north end of the building. Well, there was, was there. there was a. Uh, there was a dog, a field trial, or like yes, a, yes, and that was another set of buildings, but okay, there was yeah. a driveway in between. Yeah. yeah, right. So there was the the flyer, and then Jack's office. Jack 
rented part of that other building for his office. I don't know. Because I remember going there for uh, meetings. Mm -hmm. Probably not good things. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Jack, when after, uh, in 99... I believe it was 1999. Thompson uh, bought the the flyer as well as a bunch of other papers in Indiana in some sort of big deal. And then a year later, we were there with Thompson for less than a year. Then the CNHI purchased it, which is a corporation out of Alabama, um, funded primarily by the Retirement Fund of Alabama. And that's why the flyer had all these, uh, because the retirement fund also invested in and built these these resort golf courses Mm -hmm. in Alabama, and that's and we would run ads for those resort golf courses, and they did it up until the end because you know they were trying to you know, make money for their golf courses, we would run these big half-page ads on <laughs> on their resort golf courses, and nobody knew that they were owned by the same... that puzzled a lot of people. It did, because <laughs> it was this weird Robert Jones golf course or something, you know? Um, and uh, I think, I think news-wise, we always tried to be a newspaper... That when I was there, we always tried to cover, always tried to do a big news story, cover town council meetings and stuff like that. Um, and that was kind of necessary because some of the other papers who had, I mean, Jack bought the guide, didn't he? I don't know the guy went out of business. I don't know what how that shook out. I think, he, did. I think he, he bought it and shut it down. Uh-huh. I you know, believe the messenger. Um, I don't think the Gazette was still running no, at I that time. No. Um, I know I went with Jack one time out to uh, meet um, the 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 women at the Republican. Republican, yeah. Yeah, and um, Jack was wanted to buy that. Oh, there was never a and, chance of that. Yeah, and I, I believe I, can, I don't know what I can say on internet radio, but uh, their response was pretty uh, cold and clear cut that uh, that would never happen. I think Jack wanted it to secure more legal advertising. Yeah. So, um, and it was the it was a paper on record most of the time. Oh, absolutely, and it still is. Well, not the flyer. I'm talking oh, about the oh, flyer. The yeah. flyer was yeah. too, wasn't yes, it? Yes, it was. Uh-huh. And the and the Republican, and you know, I think we, Jack must have designated as a Democrat yes. publication at that time. He did. I know he asked me about my politics during the interview. That's one of those questions you never know quite what to say. And I knew Jack was from the region where there are a lot of Democrats, but I also knew he was a businessman where there might be a Republican. And so uh, my answer was, I'm Libertarian Amish. <laughs> and uh, he hired me. <laughs> so, uh, and I danced around that one. But um, Jack was a, he, he cared about it, the newspaper. He, he was a, could be gruff and uh, short fused at times, but he was a, Again, he was he'd been in newspapers in northern Indiana. I think he'd been on the production or um, business side more so than the editorial side. Uh, but he trusted me. I think he trusted Lynn and and gave us pretty free reign in with the limited resources we had. And, and he did. he never interfered. 
Nah, not not really. I, he he called me on a headline one time. I remember um, it was about a, a a girl who had died in the jail uh, after some probably poor care, and I put the headline death sentence or something like that. You know, he he had me scratch that out. Um, but um, there were other times I became the witness for firings. Often I don't know oh, what that means, but um, I had to go in and sit in when they fired people, and I. I remember one day we were um, back in production, and the uh, we were working on these kind of slant top tables that, that kind of were jimmied, and then one of the tables fell, and the young reporter uh, who'd been there for a while and uh, wasn't one of Jack's favorites let out a pretty harsh cuss word, and Jack <laughs> happened to be back there, and Jack called him on it, and he said, Jack, I've heard you say much worse stuff than that, and he said, come with me. And he grabbed me and grabbed him and fired him on the spot. Oh, my gosh. And so, you know, I went out and uh, tried to soothe the guy's uh, uh, feelings a little bit. And, and matter of fact, I was living out in, in um, near, near Cascade High School. Not Cascade. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it was Cascade. Cascade High School. And I let, let the, the guy came and lived with us for a couple months while he was getting back on his feet. Oh, but, oh wow. But it was, uh, you know, Jack could be like that kind of quick. and He could do that. Um but again, I think he meant well. He, he had, you know, high aspirations and hopes for the flyer. And You know, I think, you know, um, there were times when there were lean times. And I, I, I always got the feeling that when there were lean times, he'd get a little crankier. Yeah. You know. That was, you know, tough. And that, that one is one of the reasons. And I guess I can spill the beans here. But. It's Lynn's, Lynn's fault that I left. She helped uh, recruit me or tip me to a, a job at the Star, and um, you know at that time I did not know that. And um, at that time, the Star had a bureau in, and, and had four or five reporters covering Hendricks County. So I, that's where I first went after I left the fire. I've always been so proud of him. <laughs> I have been so thankful of her. So, um, what they call that? The West. Met- Metro, Metro, West, Metro West, which is now a shooting range. Yeah, yeah. And where that building yeah. was, where that where that office was, yes, where it's now a shooting range. Yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah, but there were there were tough times, and I think Jack had there there was an attempted takeover uh, by a, a silent partner, and I think there were some money issues, and I know there were times when we were juggling. We used a, quite a few stringers, and you know, I was like, who can we? not pay this week and you know and these people are getting paid a pittance to cover a meeting and or take pictures and it was you know that was that was a stressful time on me and and um you know it was kind of the, i think the beginning of the end for what he was doing yeah and uh you know the opportunity came to sell it and i think he took it i don't know how how well he did but i thought i mean i thought there were times when the flyer made a lot of money I think there were, yeah, and, and I think he did much better than if he'd waited until than the current owners did, obviously. Um, yeah. But but that when I was there still, we were in the heyday of, you know, we had sections of classified ads, which are, you know, that's a cash cow. Yeah. And we had real estate ads where you had pages of those tiny little boxes with pictures of houses. And, yeah. you know, none of that stuff is in newspapers anymore. It's all on the web. And, you know. So the, the, the kind of the three legs in their automotive ads, you know, lots of automotive yeah, car dealers. car dealers, yeah. And every little picture, which was a tedious task for people like you in the composing department. But, you know, that, that was a cash cow. 
And now that's all gone. And that, that's, you know, kind of what's hit newspapers around the country. And Let's they went, see. I know that in my department, when I started in 96, there were at least six people doing just the composing, making the ads, doing the, you know, getting the ads completed. And I, I actually started working with some of the software to put in the classifieds to sort of put them and then print out whole pages um, or PDF them or whatever. Um, I'm not sure that was a thing back then. Uh, pagination, you know, taking oh, yes. up pagination. pagination, and that was a. Do they still do that? I don't, they, think, I don't think they even do a, uh, you know, a paste up anymore. It's all on the screen, and it yeah, goes directly to negative. Yeah, it was all yeah. on the screen. Yeah. So that whole steps cut out. <clears throat> Two of those uh, people that worked there when you and I did are, are working in the department at the Star now. Yes, uh, I have. I have Suzanne heard that Suzanne and, and uh, Scott. Berg. Scott. And they've been there for 17, yeah, they, 18 years. Both, Scott left before me, I think, maybe, and Suzanne right around the same time. So. Okay. Um, so uh, I think there were probably a lot of headlines that uh, were memorable. Uh, I know when I was there, uh, 9-11 happened. Mm. And uh, I do remember the that was our day. I believe that was a Tuesday, and I believe that was the day we had our news meeting. Um, and of course, we had a local guy who was killed. Oh yes. in nine eleven, a guy that Charlie, your son, and I both went to school with, and we always would do. Um, you know, anniversary stories about you know Steve Long, and. Uh, uh, that's the one that that kind of stood out to me at the time. I mean, there were tons of things that happened. You know, Avon became a town back in you know '95, and I think that happened. It was probably one of the big stories when I was there. Yeah. And uh, you know, that was a long brewing project. Oh yes, it was. <laughs> <laughs> and now look at it. Well, I used to uh, in trying to recruit reporters because when they would come out of journalism school, whether it was um, Ball State or IU or wherever, they wanted to go to the Washington Post, you know, or the New York Times. But I would try to explain to them that because we were next to the airport, we always got a lot of politicians. And I can say that in the period of time that I was there, and I'm sure it continued on, uh, I got to go to Washington to interview President Carter. President Reagan came to Danville. I didn't actually see him because it was on our production day, so I sent my reporter and a photographer, and Tom videographed it, or whatever you call that, videotaped it. Uh, And uh, then uh, I think every vice president candidate came through there, and... uh, I didn't always see them, but somebody in the office always saw them. And even at one point, I was on first name terms with one of the better governors because he very often came out to do something nice for the schools or the young people out here. Hmm. 
So, you know, you, you weren't being put in a backwater by being in Plainfield. You were right kind of on the forefront of things in some ways. Yeah, the, the, the airport was a source of, a big source of news because they were also doing all that noise abatement stuff. Oh, that that was huge. And, and the bats. Bats and all that stuff. That was big. Big news. The United, the United Maintenance Hub, did that happen? Oh, yes, I got there to San Francisco for story, that, so. yes. Well, you got lots of travel. I don't think I got anywhere probably west of Danville. <laughs> what? <laughs> you got to go to San Francisco for the United thing? Oh, that's cool. <laughs> they took a, a group of press out there, right? Yes, they did. Uh-huh. Um, let's see. Uh, one of my favorite memories was I got to go with a busload of uh, uh, veterans down to World War II veterans down to Washington, D.C. Oh, the honor flights? No, it wasn't an honor flight. This was right before the honor flights. This was the dedication of the World War II memorial. Ah. So that was really special for me because we had, uh, um, they had to kind of put the net out a little farther and we had a couple of guys one guy from uh, Illinois who was on the USS Indianapolis which is one of my favorite stories of all time and um, and then he, another guy whose brother was on the USS Indianapolis and it was uh, probably my my favorite thing I got to go down to Washington D.C. Yeah. and take photos and Neat. very enjoyable and that's kind of a uh, it's kind of an interesting thing. The paper I work for now, the Lebanon Reporter, started in 1891. The building we have uh, has um, a dark room that nobody ever uses because everything is digital. And digital was starting to hit when you were there and while I was there because I actually got to go and edit the West Side Flyer. And we'd have these one megapixel cameras that sometimes worked and sometimes didn't work. But just think about all those dark rooms that went out of business. Yeah. And we, we had a dark room, at least for the, the, the pages, yeah. natives. And um, we used a, like a photo uh, processing they used to have businesses that processed your photos for you oh yeah and it was out by the um, marsh store uh-huh. i think when it and so we took we were still using film you mean like a photo mat yeah well it was in a little story but it was just a photo okay. processing shop yeah um which and we'd take our film there and they deliver it for us and then i think um hmm. i used to take it to walmart <laughs> mm-hmm. hmm. i think jack had a, probably a trade-out deal with this yeah. you know photoshop sure. and so we did that one one of my memories that is not a not a highlight or anything, but we uh, we had we had some colorful county um, officials, oh. and there was a gentleman who lived over on Shiloh Road, and he complained about chip and seal when they chipped and sealed his road, and um, he came to the commissioners meeting, and I don't know who had written it up, but they quoted I think it was J D Clampett was the commissioner at that time, and he said made some reference to this guy was in the land of Oz and you know something in your little dog Toto and, <laughs> and we quoted in the story and um, a few days later uh, Pat Vincent who just passed away yeah. she was kind of our office manager and kind of the mother in and kept us in line yep rings my phone and says there's a guy up here and he's got a gun and there was this guy who was had, had his gun on his in a holster on his side and he was patting it you know and he wanted to see the editor because he was mad about 
Toto. And there was no Toto there, you know. Oh, wow. And so um, I tried to soothe him. And I think at the meantime, Pat called uh, Plainfield Police and they came and escorted him out. Wow. And um, oh, yeah. later he was arrested for a series of church burglaries and went to prison for that. So, really? Nice um, that, but, was, that was the, probably the closest. But you, you, you reminded me that I was forever being threatened with a lawsuit, you know, with libel suits, you know. And I always have said that the worst thing you can do to somebody is quote them accurately. <laughs> because yeah, they, they don't sound good. They don't, you know, they don't realize what they sound like exactly. until they see it in print. And, uh, but we, I had, and then you think you said it's Pat, having Pat up there as your first line of defense was wonderful because she rang you on the phone and said, there's a man up here and he's really hot. Or there's a lady online too and he's really mad, you know. So you were a little were bit prepared. prepared. So I went up to this one man and he had slammed a paper down and, oh, this was a, a freelance photographer had taken this picture of some fish floating in a creek and it said that uh, he had talked to the, the DNR person and said it was a result of affluent from a upstream hog farm had resulted to this fish kill. Well this man was just furious and so I looked at it and I said sir I don't see anywhere in there it mentions your name. He says but everybody knows it was me. <laughs> that, that was a problem with working in Hendricks County back in the day. Every, I mean communities everybody knew everybody yeah. and that was the way it was back then and then it kind of got out of control and there, there aren't that many um, that was part of the magic of it, though, too. I mean, yeah. you get to know everybody. You know, a job like the Star or something, I have a narrow set of people I'm covering or dealing with. At the Flyer, we were dealing with everybody, including people who would bring in mushrooms and tomatoes that looked like, you know, George Washington oh, and all yes. that kind of stuff at the front desk. And it was so it was interesting. There was a little more color to it than yeah, today's a little absolutely. more cut and dry and monochrome. <laughs> and and people are afraid to do that kind of stuff anymore. I think you know it. It, I, it doesn't hurt to have those kind of things in a newspaper that kind of is like the first draft of history. I've heard it said. You know, yeah, that, and there's nothing wrong with that. I don't. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. We watch. You know, the Republican has been around since before Lincoln was killed and um, they always have a feature in their paper that goes back a hundred yeah. years, 75 years, 50 years mm -hmm. and I think it's gotten better. I mean uh, you know we were we were kind of doing it before the evolution of Fox News and all the slanted news departments you know and we were actually trying to do real journalism. Yep. And, you know, get two sides to the story and put it in, because that was good journalism. Right. Well, you know, you talk about the the local things. I, one problem I ran into and I never got solved was that they would bring in deer that they had killed. If they had killed a five, you know, big... They wanted it in the paper, and, of course, Tom wouldn't be okay with that, but then I would always get the mother saying, my little child was so upset because somebody killed Bambi. Oh, yeah, So right. I, then I'd exactly. say, okay, we won't run them. Then the hunters would be angry because they, they felt they deserved their moment yeah. of fame. So I never did get that resolved. I don't, it's, it's like the you were, fish picture. 
pictures. You right? were those, wrong, yeah. whichever you did. Those dead deer always have their tongues sticking out. Yeah. When, yeah. In the job I had before down in southern Indiana, it was like that. And I, you know, I had come in and I'd been at daily papers for about 15 years and thought I was going to change the world, you know, with this little weekly paper in southern Indiana. And, um, I started, you know, well, we're not going to take any more of those kind of pictures. And there was a, a revolt. I about got run out of town. <laughs> so then I got the advertising guy. I said, let's do a, a, a supplement at the end of hunting season. We'll take everybody's picture. And then we'll oh, okay. sell advertising to the bow and, you know, the archery shop and the, the fishing uh, tackle places. So we did that. and But it was the same thing. Oh, I got people I got people who were saying, you know, we can't have these pictures. It's disgusting to see this dead deer. And other people said, they've done it for generations. And, yeah. you know, and, the two jobs I had, the the you've been there what, thirty some years before I came? Uh, no, just twenty. Just twenty. <laughs> yeah. Okay, and the guy I'd replaced before that in my other job had been there thirty five years, so I had mm-hmm. two sets of huge shoes to step into, and I'd learned my lesson after the first one. And change uh, any change I was going to make was going to be subtle and slow, as opposed to you know changing the world. And yeah, well, I went from the start to you know to kind of inventing things on the flyer but one of the first things I mean I would go in to have something to put in the paper I'd go into supermarkets and read off their bulletin boards you know and, and then I'd call people on, you know who were having bean suppers or, or whatever and because uh, that's how we started yeah and uh I kept hearing something though that well I gave it to the messenger or whatever other paper mm-hmm. and they but they got it they rewrote it and they got it wrong well I had no doubt that they had to rewrite it because you know I wanted it to be <laughs> right what I thought was proper too so I had to kind of rock a line between rewriting it and but rewriting as little as possible you know so that I wouldn't rewrite it and get it wrong that's well that's forging i mean that's yeah. the, you know that's that's the leading edge of of what the flyer became yeah. and and it became a little easier and yeah. um uh, you know i honestly think one of the biggest problems that we ever ran into is when we started charging for obituaries you know and uh and i mean i understand because they were losing classifieds but and the classifieds were getting smaller, but I still think that was a mistake in the community, yeah. uh, the way you were viewed. Yeah. And then, so it was first uh, mailed out. I know I got it. Yeah. I lived in Belleville, and we got it by mail. Mm-hmm. Did, was either of you around when the switch to carriers? That was Jack. Jack, okay. Jack switched it. Well, there were always carriers in the town of Plainfield. Tom okay. always had carriers there. But uh, when uh, Jack took over, he didn't want to pay any postage. So he got carriers from everywhere. But it took a while. And, and that is a big bill. Yeah. Postage is a huge bill. Um, he must have just paid pennies of paper. Because yeah. then, you know, it was saturation kind of, you know, marketing. Oh, the marketing was yeah. a dream for it, but he, there was a formula, and something I learned in journalism school, but never did, uh, it's called the M formula, but it's the, the uh, proportion of news to advertising, and you're right, that if, if you could keep it under a certain amount of, of uh, well, you keep it over, I guess, a certain amount, then you have to pay less postage, and so that's what, that's what we worked on, yeah. As always, the story I always remember you telling me, because, you know, we've known each other for Ever. 20, 30 <laughs> yeah. years. And uh, I do remember, you know, you saying that, that that 
uh, it was less expensive to send it uh, as a news class rather mm-hmm. than as uh, as a advertising yes, advertising thing. I think uh, I think the holes next. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they did a great service for the community, and I think you know Jack did his best to keep it going. Uh, but these the the larger corporations they're more looking at a bottom line, mm-hmm. and some of the ratio of news is hard when you only have one or two people you know doing the whole thing. Um, so I think that uh, the last few years of the flyer may not have been its best years. I thought it was something though to Jack's credit that he did move to Plainfield and become part of the community. Oh yeah, yeah. He's still Cause, around because he, you know, he was came from Northern Indiana. Yep, he moved the whole family mm-hmm. down, and uh, so that is our uh, history retrospective of the Hendricks County Flyer. My guests today have been Tim Evans from uh, IndyStar.com. He writes a lot of good stuff. You'll remember the uh, the uh, gymnastic story. Oh, yeah. You're still writing those stories, aren't you? Um, hopefully, that's about behind me. <laughs> um, <laughs> Involved in a couple of their investigations now. So good, good. And then Lynn Hopper, who uh, has uh, been a journalist for several, several years, wrote a great antiques column for the Star for years, and then, years. and then, um, kind of got the Hendricks County Flyer turned into a newspaper all those years ago, back in the seventies and eighties. And uh, it's sad to see it go. I'm sorry it that, that it's gone uh, because it was a lot of. Uh, you know, it was memories and a lot of fun stuff. But uh, that's Connecting Communities tonight. Thank you for being with us. This has been Connecting Counties with your host, Gus Piercy, presented by Duke Energy. Duke Energy offers these tips for understanding your bill. Check the number of days in your billing cycle. Most bills are for 30 days, but there are times when the billing cycle is shorter or longer. If there are more days in the bill, it could be higher. And if you have a smart meter, check online to see if a daily usage analysis tool is available. Smart meters collect usage information by the hour, so checking spikes throughout the month, by the day, and even the hour can show what appliances and behaviors are increasing your bill. Residential customer service specialists are available Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. by calling 1-800-521-2232.